It's episode number 63. Welcome to the Pete Primo Show. And today, the shoe is on the other foot. My producer, Chris Stone, will be interviewing me about sales and business lessons from a Hall of Fame football player. A lot of you don't know that I was very fortunate, played on some good uh, football teams when I was in college, uh, Division Three and uh, was blessed to be elected to the Hall of Fame for my college. And there were a lot of lessons that I learned during playing football that, that uh, I'm going to share with you today, uh, depending on what questions that Chris asks. Anyway, let's pay the bills first. What are you waiting for? If you haven't already bought it, buy my book, Sell a Million, 101 Ways to Make More Money and More Profit selling mattresses and furniture. And my friends at Mattress Industry Network, thank you for joining us. And thank you, Steve, for your sponsorship of the show. We are truly indebted to you. And anybody that is in the industry of selling mattresses, whether you're wholesale, retail, a distributor, a sales rep, a sales pro, an owner, you need to join the Mattress Industry Network. Over 1,200 uh, people strong, great opportunity. And it is a group that is run by retailers for the entire industry. And the core values of the Mattress Industry Network are very simple. Help others to build, market, sell, and succeed in the mattress industry. So join the Mattress Industry Network today. Tell them Pete, Pete uh, invited you and I will see you inside the Mattress Industry Network, everybody. With that, good morning, Chris, or good afternoon, I should say. Good evening. Good morning. Good afternoon. <laughs> it is afternoon. How are you, Pete? This is I'm exciting. Good. I get to, I get to, yeah, shoes on the other foot. I'm ready to, uh, I'm ready to hear some stuff. You know, you've mentioned your football career, but you haven't really gone into depth. And I kind of want to, uh, Hear that uh, Paul Harvey other side of the story uh, going on uh, today, which I'm I'm excited, and I know others have chimed in as well over social media uh, to hear what Pete, what Peter A. Primo, Hall of Fame, Baldwin Wallace, uh, Baldwin Wallace. Now it's university, right? Back when yes. you played, wasn't it college? It was. It was a college. <laughs> All right. I'm, I can't wait to hear about this stuff, Pete. I'm excited. Well, what do you want to start with, buddy? <laughs> well, I I looked at some of these old photos you sent me, and yeah. um, I got to tell you, some of them are uh, some of them bring some, bring back some memories for me. Like you, you, you think you're you know, like I'm. I, I played football as well, and so you know, I I kept on looking at the at uh, some of these photos, thinking you know, like where's the neck roll, and uh, you know, where's the tub of icy hot. Um, you know, so it, it, is that, uh, those colors and, and I don't see any unibar, uh, helmets, you know, like the, the helmets that used to have like the Joe Theismann sort of, uh, yeah. one, one bar thing. Um, but you had chimed in and talked about this photo, uh, with one of your teammates and mentioned that this actually was, uh, I guess it was, it was it a game winning sack and, uh, you were sort of celebrating with him on that one. Yeah. Uh, my team, I believe that that is the last time we played Wittenberg as a senior. It was, there was a pro football strike going on and, uh, John, uh, Ferrito, um, who rotated with me and Bo and, and poor John, I mean, you know, you had an all American defensive tackle, two time, all American defensive tackle and me on the left side. And on the right side, you had a two time all conference um, defensive tackle, uh, Keith Bodecker and, and John was a great defensive tackle would have been a three or a four year starter anywhere would have been a, a three time all conference and an all American and is all right. Had he not played behind me and Bo. So he was rotating in, Bo was pretty beat up. So I think it was me and John in there the last, at the very end of the game, it was only three points. We were winning by three points. And uh, we're playing Wittenberg, who was our arch rivals. And to make it even crazier, Pat Summerall and John Madden called the game. No way. Swear to God. Serious? Can't make wow. this up. So um, I flushed the guy out of the, out of the pocket. 
And then I came back around and I thought I made the play, but actually John sacked them. It's clear as day. And uh, John did great. So, hey, there's a lesson in there. Be happy for your teammate's success because your teammate's success yeah. ultimately is your success. And, and I said this uh, to John, um, I never would have been as effective as I would have been if it wasn't for John. Because when John came in, we didn't lose much. We didn't lose much at all. Uh, maybe you gained something because a lot of I was known to color outside the lines. I mean, I was uh, I was a handful, and I'd like to apologize to Coach Fisher and Coach Van Dusen. <laughs> Managing me in college was not easy. I was I was more than a handful, more than a handful. Uh, so uh, yeah, that was in uh, in that picture that you showed me come to the sideline. That was an interesting picture because that was coach uh, Packard who's passed us now. Uh, and, and, and he was, I was coming back off, off of uh, a quarterback sack. Uh, some team went for it on fourth down and, uh, and uh, I, I was lucky enough that I got the quarterback sack. That, that stopped it. I guess they must have had a bad field goal kicker because they were like on our 35 yard line, Chris. They should have hmm. kicked it with a halfway. Well, that would have been, like, well, been like a 52 yarder, right? Yeah, it would have been the 35. Yeah, yeah, maybe it was they were on the 32. I remember thinking, why aren't they going for it? But then I quickly flipped the switch from taking that as an interesting math problem to a personal insult that you would dare run against my defense. Yeah, exactly. You would dare run uh, a fourth down play uh, against us. So anyway, uh, you know what? We had a lot of fun. And the reason I went to the college that I, I went to uh, was because they won the national championship when I was a senior in high school. And my high school team really wasn't that great. Uh, we were like a 500 team. Mm. lost half the time, won half the time. Um, and I really wanted to go somewhere where we would win all the time. And uh, probably one of the most interesting things, you know, you talked about the rest of the story. It would have to do with humility, which I did not have any of. When I was a senior in high school, I mean, I, in my mind, was the man. And when I came onto that campus, I was like, conquering. I, I came to conquer that campus. And um, I did not realize how many great football players there were. And I was only one of them in my own mind. And, you know, it, it, it's very humbling when mm. there's 130 guys coming out for the freshman football team. And they say, you know, put your hand up if you started on your high school football team, everybody puts their hand up. Sure. And put your hand up if you're all conference. Everyone puts their, you know, almost everyone puts their hand up. Put your hand up if you're all American. So I put my hand up and uh, a lot of people in my high school didn't even know I was an all American. That's how unimportant it was. But I was an all American wow. in, in high school too. And I put my hand up and I thought, I'm going to be the only dude. No, there are about 15, 20 of them. And I'm like, Darn. And then you're like looking sideways and you're sizing up your competition and you're sure. noticing, you know, this dude's bigger. He's stronger than me. This one, he's quicker. I got to get quicker. I got to get stronger. I got to do this. I got to do. This. And so, you know, you become very humble, very quickly. And then you have to reassess. And I think all business owners need to do this. You, you have to reassess your probability for success in a very realistic way, you have to say, okay, if I spend the extra time doing the extra sprints, the extra stretching, the extra weightlifting, the sacrifice and what I want to eat and eat and clean, because even back then we had some semblance of what eat and clean looked like, even though uh, it was really dark ages mythology compared to what we know now. But... um you have to reassess and you have to make a game plan. So I guess that would be the other. And then, of course, the easiest thing in the world 
is a game plan that nobody executes, right? And so you have to execute on your game plan and then you have to give yourself realistic feedback. If you don't, your coaches will and you may not like it when your coach does it, but hopefully you'll do it ahead of time. Mm. Sorry, so I rambled. Um, no, let's let's dwell on this a little bit because I think this applies uh, so much into business. It, whether you're solo entrepreneur, um, uh, serial entrepreneur, whatever you want to call it, business owner, um, C-level, whatever. There sure. is, you talked about your competition. You talked about um, generally comparing yourself to others. People do it. It's natural. It's absolutely right. like a natural thing, right? You'll see someone else that does something that's like what you do, and you immediately start to compare that person to you. And then you, in your mind, you sort of like rank them. You know, there's some sort of org chart that's going on in your mind. And it's really difficult, I think, from a mindset perspective to not do that. So you just, you have to be able to take that in and apply it like you're saying, right? So if, um, you know, someone gets to the NFL, which I know you you had uh, a half a cup of coffee uh, on uh, on a few teams, and uh, we'd love to get into that. But like, you know, now you'll see, you'll watch a football game. Uh, you'll watch uh, the Browns game. I'll watch the Lions lose. And inevitably, <laughs> I you'll watch be... the Browns lose too. So okay, right? <laughs> we have please, the same pain. Please, please, <laughs> Pete. It, with all due respect, I'm a Lions fan. Hold my coffee. Okay, we've <laughs> we've lost far more than you. <laughs> um, but inevitably you'll overhear someone say, ah, you know, that guy sucks. Right. And yeah. I think, and I think to myself, do you have any idea what it took for that person to yeah. be at that level? They were not only the best player in their town, in their County, in their state, but yeah. they at one point in time and still are because they're employed by the national football league one of the best 100 players at that position right now right. in the world. And so for someone to say, oh, well, you know, whomever uh, sucks, it's like it's no no way can you ever really say that. Are they as good as the other people above them on the, uh, on the depth chart? Maybe not. Uh, but, you know, so from... I'm getting to a question here, Pete, but... I think oftentimes, yeah, come on, come on, right? come on. yeah, exactly. Now you know what it's like to be on the Pete Primo show. Uh, <laughs> Touche, very good. Yes, 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 yes. But I do it. I think a lot of other people do it. They'll see, they'll listen to a podcast and they'll go, oh my God, I'll never be that good. I yeah. just, I just don't have, or they'll they'll get into themselves, whether it's an imposter syndrome, whether it's compare perfectionism, all of those, all of that mind junk that keeps them from being the best person and the best sales rep, the best uh, podcaster, the best whatever that they can be, and get past comparing yourself and trying to be someone else because they're taken. So. Let's talk a little bit about how you applied that coming, you know, coming out of football and realizing, okay, I'm not going to make the pros. Yeah. Yet I'm going to transition into what now is the furniture and mattress store industry. Yeah, so I didn't want to. That first okay. first and foremost, I wanted to be a pro football player. Period. That was I had no contingency plan to to be a mattress sales salesman, uh, absolutely did not want to. And and listen, looking back on it, and I look back at you know how much harder I work than many of my competitors, almost all of them, was a direct result of the sting that I felt when I didn't make pro football. It, I mean. To tell you that it hurt and it hurt bad would be the understatement of my life. It still hurts. It still hurts bad. And it's what I wanted to do since I was a old enough to ask this question. My dad was laying on the sofa sideways and there's a little space when you're laying on your hip 
between your dad's butt and his ankles. And me and my brother were still small enough to both fit in that spot on the sofa. And I said, Daddy, what sport do you like better, football or baseball? And he said, football to play, baseball to watch. I said, okay, I'm going to be a football player. Was I three? Was I four? Was I five? Was I six? I don't know. But I was small enough to fit in there. And so uh, at a very young age, I made a decision that I was going to be a football player and I was going to make my daddy proud of me. So when I didn't make it, it was literally a life shattering. And when people gave me suggestions and other things to do, I didn't really take kindly to them. And uh, most people that went to college with me or went to high school with me would not say I was the most outgoing person in the world. They would say I was an introvert. I would prefer to just have my head buried in a book when I wasn't competing in athletics. I was very much an introvert and I still am. Uh, but so going from that disappointment to having a very, very blessed career in the furniture and the mattress industry, I would say first and foremost, not making pro football put me in a position mentally where I felt like I had to prove myself. It's a barbaric equation and it's wrong mindset and it's wrong thinking but it propelled me at that point in time. When I got older and wiser, I realized the, all the mistakes that I had made. Um, but I will tell you this. If something hurts, use it for fuel. I've said that in my group. And I say it to people that ask me these questions. You know, what do you do when you have a failure? I said, well, if it really hurts... Don't sit there and pretend like it doesn't hurt. That That's lying to yourself. It hurts. Be honest with yourself that it hurts. And guess what? Pick yourself up and use that energy to propel you forward in a positive way. Now, if you made a mistake that created that failure, you've got to correct that mistake. You've right. got to fix that sooner or later because getting up and banging your head against a brick wall is not a good way to live life in business or in sales or in any way, shape, or form. So, definition fix, of insanity, right? The yeah, definition the of same, insanity is continuing to do the same thing over and over and over again when it fails, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that failure is important to helping somebody have the motivation to succeed. But you really, you have to really kind of soak it up and understand this feeling. And I don't like this feeling. You know, I like the feeling of winning. <laughs> and, and then you'll do the extra things. Now, this is assuming a normal intellect. Um, I can tell you this, Chris. Um, one thing that burned me is our janitor, Hank Caputo, in high school, when some of my teammates said, well, what do you think about Pete? Uh, and he was a janitor, but he was also a scout for the New York Yankees. <laughs> wow. And so Hank huh. was a very interesting guy, and he's a very honest guy, and he had a big heart, and he said, Pete Primo is is a very good football player because he's made himself a very good football player. He's not a great athlete. He'll probably do okay in college, but he'll never make pro football. And it was true. Wow. It ended up being true. Whether or not it, it may not have turned out a different way, given a couple different things here or there, but it was true. Um, but I spent a lot of time working very hard to prove Hank wrong. And so when I would do things that other people wouldn't do, and so here's a sales and a business lesson. Do what your competition is not doing. 
find a way to serve your customers and your clients better. And so what I did is I lifted weights, but every kid my age lifted weights. I did Arizona speed drills, which not everybody did. As a matter of fact, we had just heard about Arizona. Arizona Arizona speed speed drill drill is where you work on lengthening your stride. You work on your form. Uh, It came from Arizona State. Uh, where they had very, very fast football players and these speed drills were, we had just heard about them and I was among the first to, to do those. But what I did is I played one-on-one basketball with my older brother, Michael, who was a great athlete and who beat me every minute of every play he beat me. Once in a blue moon, I would score by some miracle. And once in a blue moon, I would jump up and I would stuff him. But very rarely. But what happened, Chris, is during those years, those three or four years of playing one-on-one basketball with my brother, is I went from completely sucking to sucking less to having the best agility of any linebacker or lineman in the league because I played one-on-one basketball with my brother and I lost every time, but I got better. And so when I went uh, of significance, when I went and did our, uh, our initial physical fitness test at, in college, they could not believe how I ran the line drills. They've never seen anyone my size run line drills like that. Well, I ran line drills with my my brother made me run line drills with him. Good morning, gentlemen. Surprised to see Pete's pictures were in color. <laughs> Steve, I love you, brother. Yes. Uh, when the dinosaur, maybe one of these days, Pete will interview Chris. <laughs> that would be fun. You know, that's a great idea. Steve, um, Steve is like, if, if nothing else, he, um, he is a good comic relief. Um, yes. Yes, he uh, is. In, in addition to a fantastic store owner and, uh, all around, uh, good dude. Thanks. Uh, thanks Steve. And thanks to the mattress industry network. If, if you guys have not joined this group, join this group and, uh, just get in there and sharpen the iron, um, and get better. Because that's what they're there to do is to make you better. Um, and uh, you're, you've got some of the Pete. These are some of the top top execs in the industry that are just sharing knowledge in this yeah. in this group. And it's yeah. uh, just a fantastic place to be. Yeah, it's it's uh, unbelievable. I mean, you have manufact owners of manufacturers, VP of sales. You have got unbelievable people in here teaching. And listen, there's always something that you can learn from everyone. But going back to what I was talking about, so I was doing these drills that no defensive lineman would do at this point in in history. We're we're talking about this late 70s, right? And so when I went to BW, they immediately said these words as a freshman, oh my God, we have a natural athlete. So from what Hank Caputo said to now at BW, they're pulling out the red carpet for me because I ran these line drills faster than anybody ever ran them. I'm a natural athlete. And so then what I did, which is very unusual, especially for a defensive lineman, is I learned how to play a game that I haven't played since college, which I really kind of wish I would have kept up with, handball. Handball requires a certain level of skill, but a lot of agility, a lot of side-to-side movement, and actually a lot of mental agility as well. So it is a great game. And um, our coaches believe this. they, They believe that we should work on our speed. They believe that we should work on the weights and all that. But they also believe that in the off season, you should compete. You need to compete. And handball was a way to compete. And so when I went to the uh, NFL 
um, tryouts that I went to and the, and, and they were the free agent tryouts. I was, did not get invited to the, to, to the, uh, combines or anything like that. Um, uh, when I went to those, they kept looking at their watches and kept going like this. Cause you know, you're looking at some dude with 20 inch arms and he's running faster than the defensive backs. So then they made the defensive backs run with me and I beat them. <laughs> These are line drills and I beat them. Uh, so do things that your competitors are not willing to do to serve your clients better. That is probably a lesson that I would really encourage you to do. It was, uh, it, it, it helped me immensely. And some of the plays that the guys still remember, you know, 35, 40 years later, um, the plays that they remember that I made that were outstanding plays were all plays that were based on a lot of movement and agility. I mean, were there some vicious, great helmet-to-helmet hits that are illegal now? Yeah, there were. But the more impressive ones were when they ran a screen pass and I would sack the guy, you know, in the back, uh, in the backfield, or when an all-American running back gets a uh, gets a a a, a, a sweep, uh, and I almost get the ball, chase him down. So. You know, so agility uh, was not necessarily required of defensive tackles back then, but that's what separated me from from my competitors. So let's back up a little bit, if we could, sure. to um, realizing something hurts, and uh, you know, like a failure, and using it for fuel. It all it kind of like back a few minutes where we started. And you talked yeah. about soaking it up. And yeah. I'm thinking back to when uh, my my uh, my college, uh, the team that I root for uh, in college, um, the Michigan Wolverines, go blue. Um, and I went <laughs> to Florida to watch them play the Georgia Bulldogs in the, Nash- <sighs> uh, the national uh, football, uh, college football playoff. And um, of course, it was not even close from from the snap. Um, from the kickoff, it wasn't close. Uh, we didn't belong. And so, um, I remember sitting there and you go through all the stages, uh, of, of like, I knew that they were, they were not going to ever come back. Um, but I sat and watched the game and, uh, well, I paid a lot of money to be there, but, um, I sat and watched, watched the game. And there was an interesting thing that I noticed on the field while Georgia and I sat there and watched Georgia get their trophy for winning to move on to the national championship to beat Alabama um, is that the entire field was covered with confetti and uh, red and black and white, you know, for that team. And I looked over in the corner and there were three Michigan players. They were off in the corner standing there and watching. And they were next year's starting quarterback, next year's starting running back and next year's starting wide receiver. These were players that uh, you know got some playing time. They weren't starters, but they sat there and they watched the entire trophy celebration and soaked up and sat there. And you wondered what was going on in their minds. And that makes me think about what you're talking about and soaking up that failure. And so how, how would that apply, let's just say, in sales, marketing, business, and, you know, cause we, we don't win, we don't go undefeated in, in, in life, right? No, we do not no. go undefeated in life. No. Nope. Nope. And so how, what are some, maybe some practical, um, sort of mindset, um, things that you've had to go through in business that we can apply there? Well, you know, it's always fun to talk about our big wins but sometimes there it's more useful to talk about some of our, our of our losses and uh it almost gets into like a management kind of arena um i had lost a big sale and and uh my sales manager uh barbara mckay uh put her uh 
hand on my forearm and said, this is what I think happened. And Pete, I know who you are and I know this will never happen to you again, but this is what happened and this is what needs to change. And I think that we as store owners, when we see ourselves, people maybe doing something they shouldn't have done or not doing something that they should have, we need to take that approach. Give a dog a good name and uh, help them to overcome whatever uh, whatever it is that, that they messed up. In this case, specifically, uh, I had not done enough intel. And that never happened again. She was 100% right. It never happened again. Uh, I, I didn't really understand the gravity of it. It was really early in my career as a rep. It, it never happened again. There, there's nobody who gets more intel on a situation than, than I do. Um, and that's because of that particular uh, loss. So when it just comes to picking yourself up, I think there's a couple of lessons. First, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb here. And I'm going to say that a couple of thoughts went through your players' heads. And by the way, I applaud those players for doing that. Yeah. Number one, they soaked it up. They hated every second of watching the other team. But the other thing they thought about is next year, this is going to be me. This is going to be me. We're going to be out there. We're going to be, we're going to have that trophy. What's it going to feel like next year? And then they pivot. And then they said, what do I have to do to make sure that I'm the one on the field getting the trophy next year? And that's the most important piece. What pivot do I need to make? Where do I need to make a change in strategy, a change in technique, a change in effort? What do I need to do to win? It's one of those three areas. And there you go. You went, made me go off on a tangent again. No, no, no. This is great. <laughs> no, it's like realizing you you went you went here and and we seem to we went here last last time when we talked about powerlifting, but it's it's so true. Yeah. What are you in control of? Those players are, are saying, I'm going to do everything that I can. There are things that are outside of my control. I can lead right. my team, right? There's, right. you know, in college, there's like a hundred players on the, on the, on the roster. So yeah. I yeah. can lead the other 99 players as best I can. But for me, I'm going to work on what I need to do to get better. And you talked a lot about some of these sort of unorthodox things, you know, uh, yeah. play, playing handball, um, working on, you know, the Arizona sprint drills or, or whatever, whatever speed drills uh, that you, uh, that you called it and doing what your competition isn't doing. I, um, whenever I talk Pete to, to people uh, and that, you know, inevitably like, what do you do? Right. What's your, what's your elevator pitch? And I tell them I'm, you know, I, I do, you know, I'm in the podcasting industry. I, you know, I, I give them my, my whole spiel. And then somebody will ask me, you know, who my, who my, the people I work with. And I will mention you and I will mention, you know, who you are and what you do. And, and the not, I would say 99 out of 100 people, people go, wait a minute. He's in the furniture and mattress store industry and he has a podcast. He has a show. And I said, you, you don't, you don't understand. Like that is one of the reasons why. He has a podcast because it exactly. separates you. It right. separates you. It's a differentiator. And it's not, you're not doing it to try to be cool. You're doing it because no. you want to be a better person in this industry. And yeah. you, no one else, and I'm sure there are others. Of course, none of them are as good as your show, Pete. But, um, you know, there. I'm sure there are others. But I would, would you venture to say that most, don't do this, what you're doing, what we're talking no, about. Today. They don't, they don't listen. Um, some of them that do this have kind of evolved into a look at who I know in the industry kind of a deal. I have stayed grounded in one thing 
I want my audience, my store owners, my sales reps, and my sales pros that work the retail floor to walk out of each and every episode with something that they can put in their pocket, a technique, a strategy, a mindset, a new attitude, a new way of looking at things that will make them more money. Listen, I've been very blessed. This is uh, my 40th year right now. I started in January of 1982. Um, I've been so blessed. I, I could go on and on about that. Let's let's just cut to the chase on it. Did I work hard? Yes. Did I do things that other people probably aren't willing to do? Yes. Am I a lucky guy and blessed? Yes, I am a lucky guy and blessed. And the biggest blessing is that God put in front of me mentors. And this is probably the most important takeaway from this show right now. And this wasn't, believe, trust me, this was not planned. <laughs> Chris will testify to it. But mentors. I had mentors that were exceptional. And some of them um, that really helped me early on, I was able to help them when they needed help later on. And some that I've reunited forces with, and it's been it's been a very interesting journey and a very blessed journey. But I have to tell you something about a mentor. And so Dan Delfino was a Greek god, 6'3", 6'4", 220, 230 pounds, not uh, an ounce of fat on his body just a Greek God. He was an all-American defensive end that played next to me who basically kept track of the wild sophomore Pete Primo. And, you know, I remember when Dan was a senior, he won all of the awards that I had forgotten that I had even won. Um, he had won the Hank Critchfield Award, which is the most valuable player in the, in the conference. Uh, MVP for our defense, MVP for our line, uh, All-American, All-Conference, everything. He won it all. And I, as a sophomore, was horribly disappointed, horribly disappointed that I wasn't even All-Conference because I was more than good enough to be All-Conference, but I wasn't in there enough. I had a lot of injuries. I played with a broken ankle, a dislocated uh, elbow, a, a separated shoulder, two broken hands, and I just did not get enough snaps my sophomore year. And I was very frustrated. And Dan, if you see this, you'll probably remember. It was the day after that banquet Dan had won everything. I had won nothing. I was happy for him, but I was just uh, wallowing in my own pity. It was really, really pathetic. <clears throat> and on top of that, I have to take a shower with this guy. So take a shower with Dan. And here we're shaving. And Dan says, Pete, and I, I said, Dan, congratulations. Great year. Thanks for, thanks for everything. And uh, he said, Pete, I can tell you're disappointed. He goes, everything that I won, you're going to win next year and the year after. And you're going to do things on the football field that I never even dreamt about. You have no idea how great you're going to be. So, this is what I would say. Be a mentor to somebody. Reach back to somebody. Because that thing that we always say, Dale Carnegie wrote about it, give a dog a good name. How could I, after Dan Delfino said that to me, <clears throat> be anything less than the best I could be? Did I lift weights a little bit harder? Yeah. 
Did I run a few more sprints? Yeah. Did I play handball a little bit harder? Yeah. Did I do everything I had to do more because of his encouragement? Yes. Yes. So not only look at your life, look at your career. If you're in a place to help somebody, do it. Be a mentor to somebody. Dan probably forgot about what he said to me that day. I'll never forget. So be a mentor. Thanks for making me cry, Chris. I'm good for that. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's it's so important. It's so, so, so important. You know, it's not just about getting a mentor for yourself, which is important, but it's about giving back, paying it forward, whatever you want to call it. Um, because just, I mean, if there's anything that makes you feel great, you know, everybody's just go out and eat a hamburger, you know, go out and, you know, take a nap. Like all these things make you feel great. There's nothing makes you feel better than helping someone else and, Amen. and paying that forward. Um, so that that's amazing. It looks like here, Daniel Delfino, uh, class of 81, inducted in 1998. And of course, we have Pete. Um, you know, I have to I have to embarrass you a little bit here. Um, this right. is the Baldwin Wallace Yellow Jackets website, the Alumni Athletics Association Hall of Fame, Peter A. Primo, uh, class of 1983, inducted in 97. Wow. Like uh that's uh shortly thereafter. Graduated and inducted in 97, outstanding defensive tackle for the Yellow Jacks, four-year letterman. Recognized uh, for his skills and with numerous hours uh, honors, named the outstanding defensive lineman for Baldwin Wallace in '82. Is also all time or two-time All-Conference player, two-time Most Valuable Player in the conference on the on the defensive line. Yeah, two-time yeah. MVP in the conference. Yes, that's so, amazing, and two-time All-American. Yeah, amazing. so so I was very lucky. Um, listen, the coaches could have put Bo up or they could have put me up, you know, was I half a step quicker? Yeah. Was I a little stronger? Yeah. Was I a little more explosive? Yeah. There's Dan, Dan Delfino, what a stud, what a, this guy, what an amazing football player and even better person. Now you're making me cry all over again. He says he's the managing partner of a construction company called Dreams Come True. Yeah. He has four daughters. And I bet you if you ask Dan today what he's more proud of, football wouldn't be the first thing he'd say. No. He'd probably mention, he'd probably mention his uh, his family here. Yeah, in, of course. In Hinkley, Ohio. Yes, not too far. Maybe 40 minutes from, from where I live. And on occasion, he buys a, a mattress or two from me. There you go. So, uh, so we've maintained a friendship over the years and, uh, yeah, be the mentor that either you had and then you really owe it to everything that is holy to you, uh, or be the mentor that you didn't have, you know, some of the best fathers in the world didn't have fathers. Um, I can't say that I had an amazing father, um, constantly building me up, constantly telling me, son, you can do anything you want to do. You can be anything you want to be, but you're going to have to work hard for it. And so I've asked some of these fathers who were amazing and they both, there were two guys and they both said the same exact thing. I just became the father I wanted that I didn't have. Yeah. So if you by some chance didn't have a mentor, I would challenge your thinking. And I bet you if I could sit down and talk to you, you would realize that you had some mentors, even though they may not have known it. Um, but mm. be the mentor that maybe you didn't have. I, I would say that that would be important. So the last thing I would say is this if you own a business it's it's not going to be without challenges you might have been blessed and lucky all the way up to a certain point but then it's going to get tough um you're going to have challenges nobody walks on 
a rose petaled, you know, path the whole way. Sometimes you're going to walk into adversity and what you do when you walk into that adversity is, is everything. And, you know, going back to my sophomore year and you look at those injuries, um, the one, the, the next year I said, this is never going to happen to me again. So what happens on the first play from scrimmage? I pull my, my groin. So the way they tape a, a pulled groin is they tape all the way around your waist so that you can't extend your, your leg all the way. So after running around the field like that for a day or two, I pulled the other groin. So now I've got two taped groins and uh, they're trying to tell me I have to stop. And I'm like, I'm not stopping no matter what. I'm not stopping because I would be damned if I was going to ever let injuries get in my way again. So I played with all kinds of injuries and how I would know that I had a lot of injuries is the way people would look at me and just shake their head. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I am sure that there was a freshman or two that looked at me when I was a senior and the bruises and the scratches and the, 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 the damage on my body and just go, it's not worth it. Dude's not mm. going to be able to walk when he's 60. Yeah. Listen, I, I, I go to my reunions and I see people all crippled up and they weren't athletes. I'm walking better than they are. No. <laughs> I'll be it on two fake knees, but that's okay. It's all good. <laughs> well, you, you, I think you, you take care of yourself continually. Right. And that's, that's another mindset, right. Is like, um, you know, so I, you know, I know we're, we're working towards the end and we do have some, some of this, uh, the Baldwin Wallach college images that you had sent me, but how important is it you know, like you could almost apply that to being a lifelong learner in sales and, and, and business, right? So like you didn't, just because you were done with football and done with athletics, you didn't just stop altogether, right? You, yeah, I know you go to CrossFit like every morning. You go, yeah. you, you, can, yeah. you keep your body in tune. But in business, you know, even if you become successful, um, you know, if you don't continue to sharpen yourself and continue to be a lifelong learner, you're not going to just sit there and stay the skilled person that you were. You're going to get passed by. You're, you're going to be rolling oh, backwards. Yeah. yeah. How important yeah. do you feel like it is to be a, a lifelong learner? Um, I think it's one of the most single, most important things. Uh, you must have listened to me coaching uh, my children because I've always said, if you go to college and you get your degree, and then you go on and you get your master's degree and you get a PhD and you're considered extremely well-educated and you never read anything again, you're going to be ignorant. Sooner or later, you're going to be ignorant. One of the smartest men I ever knew didn't go to college, ran businesses very successfully, and I could never see him ever. Every time. I saw him. He had a book in his hand every time. He was reading something. And I believe that we should read. And I believe that we should constantly challenge um, our, our thoughts, uh, our beliefs, not to be sacrilegious. Uh, we should constantly challenge everything. Our mindsets, everything. Um, and I feel sorry for somebody that does not have a genuine curiosity. It seems like everybody that I know reads, but I will tell you this. Once I did make a determination that somebody is not, um, compatible with, with, <laughs> with, with my goals and with the way I live my life. I, I just kind of walk away. Um, so mm. all my friends are pretty much just like me in some way, one way or another. And the most significant way is they're in all kinds of different industries. They have all kinds of different interests. They at times have fundamentally different beliefs than me, 
but they do all read. So I would suggest be curious, be constantly evolving, and challenge yourself constantly to be better. And and listen, you know, me and my brother, my older brother, Michael, we, we have some funny discussions. And one of them is, you know, you know, what did you do? What did you do? You know, what are the kids doing? And how's your body? And and we we came to the conclusion about 40 years old that this was about as good as it gets. And the only thing we can do is go down swinging. And, <laughs> and, and you know, my, my brother is, I mean, you want to talk about a stud. I mean, this, this, I mean, he's probably, if he's 5% body fat, I would be shocked. Is this the one it, that beats you one-on-one in basketball every time? Oh yeah. Yeah. This okay. is, this is the one that will ride his bicycle for a hundred miles just for fun. This is the guy who, you know, runs like four or five miles a day for fun. Uh, still lifts weights for fun. I mean, he's he's an absolute stud. So, uh, you know, I would say have fun. One of the fundamental fundamentals of our football program, if we're going to jump back to football and extract a lesson, is Coach Trussell used to say, football's fun. And he said, Practicing isn't fun. Making sacrifices isn't fun. Not eating the junk food that you want to eat isn't fun. But winning, winning football games, that's fun. And so we're going to do whatever we got to do in the offseason, during the season. We're going to make the sacrifices so that on Saturday, we can have fun. And that's what I would say to you is a huge lesson. Have fun. Learn to have fun. You spend too much of your life at your work not to have fun. I beg you to find a way to have fun. If you're a salesman and you're a sales pro working a retail floor, you are so blessed. You get to meet new and cool, interesting people Every day, people that you've never met before, that's fun. That's a blessing. And then you, if you do your job right and they're in the right place mentally, you get to help them sleep better and fundamentally change their life. If they're sleeping on on an old crappy mattress or a new crappy mattress for that matter, and you can help them wake up happy and pain-free. Hat tip to Jeff Janakovo for coming up with that verbiage, but that's what we do, ladies and gentlemen. We help people wake up happy and pain-free and as happy and pain-free as they humanly can, but to the degree that we can impact that with a new mattress, with a new pillow, with a new protector, with a nice new set of sheets, uh, that is an incredible thing that that we do. You should be proud of that and you should have fun doing that. Um, Business owners, you've had a lot of challenges the last two years. You guys are my heroes. You guys who are still here, guys and gals that own businesses, hat tip to you guys. You guys have been through so much and the fact that you're still here means that you're extremely resilient dealing with all these price increases, dealing with employees that at, at times are unruly and unmanageable and don't even show up for work, and you having to go out on the delivery truck. I don't know how many 50 and 60-year-old business owners I know who have had to go out on delivery trucks and make deliveries. And you know what? Keep doing what you're doing. Your success is right around the corner. And I'll tell you this quick little story. So it's a story I don't often tell. At the end of my junior year, I was very frustrated. Um, I was frustrated because I had those injuries. Remember the injuries, a double groin injury and 
in double sessions. I had that. I had all kinds of injuries and I kept playing and I kept playing and I kept making big plays and I was doing incredible things. And as best I could tell, it was all for nothing. Now, we hadn't had our, we hadn't, the the All-American teams hadn't come out. The uh, All-Conference teams hadn't come out. Nothing has come out. That stuff was going to come out in about a week or two. And I had basically made a decision. And this was my decision. And, and, and this might be where some of you are. As store owners, I'm done. I gave everything I had, my heart, my soul, my body. I have nothing left to give. And I had worked till five o'clock in the morning because I worked from five to five every day during college uh, as a student chief of security, which we'll talk about some other day. But I had gone to bed about five. This is about 11 o'clock in the morning. So it's the middle of the night for me. And I hear a nap, knock. And it's Khalid. He's my assistant deputy chief of security. And he's crying. And I'm thinking, oh my God, his mom died. His dad died. He's from Iran. You know, something bad happened. But he's smiling and he's crying and he's got a newspaper. And I don't know what's happening and I'm trying to help my friend and I don't know what to do. And he's waving me off. Like, you know, I didn't know whether to hug him or not or what to do. He was trying to show me because he knew exactly where I was mentally because you don't walk around for somebody for four hours every night, checking security in the wee hours of the morning and not know what's on the other person's mind because all there was was for us to talk, right? So he knew everything where I was mentally. He knew that I hadn't announced that I was quitting football, but I was. He knew all that. And he pointed and it said, Kodak, All-American, first team, Division Two, and Division Three, Pete Primo. And I couldn't believe it. I couldn't. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, where was the recognition all year? Uh, and I'm ready to quit. And here it is. And then every the next week, it all came. You know, the Hank Critchfield Award, the MVP uh, for the best defensive lineman in the conference, which quite frankly meant more to me than uh, being All-American because All-American was just the fact that my coaches had the political clout to make me a Division two and three All-American. They were, my coaches had the microphone, and they were able to put me up there. Um, but for all the guys that I played against all year long to vote for me to be the best defensive lineman, and incidentally, that was not once, but twice, and the only player to ever win it two years in a row, the only player to ever win it twice, uh, and they did away with that award. So it's that will stand. So I was ready to quit. And then everything turned up sunshine and roses. So, so guys, hang in there. I can't guarantee you that it's going to turn up sunshine and roses this week, next week, in a month, two months. I don't know. But I can tell you what, you all you business owners have been through a lot. Hang in there. Do your basics. Block and tackle. Do the things that you need to do to be the best the best business owner, the best coach to your employees, uh, deliver the best experience that you possibly can to your clients. And in the end, I guarantee you, you will win. That's all we got time for, brother. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Pete, this has been an amazing show. Uh, as always, um, you know, thanks for making me cry, Pete. Um, but uh, I cried twice. What do you want <laughs> from me? You made me cry. What are you talking about? <laughs> Oh, this has been, uh, this has been as always, uh, a great, uh, I mean, I, again, thanks Pete. I've got like a whole page full of, uh, of notes. And for those of you, um, who watched it live or have watched it on replay, I hope you did the same. And, um, 
I guess uh, have a have a great week. Have a great week, yeah. everybody. That's a wrap. Thanks. Thanks.